I'm Floyd Hughes, the pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Jefferson Hills. And although we as Christians come from different denominations and cultures, we all have one job above all others, share the gospel. To help make that easier for every Christian, I've written an evangelism series, three books on evangelism for the whole family. The first book, Evangelism Easy as One, Two, Three, is the book for adults. The second book, Evangelism as Easy as ABC, is the book for youth and children. I wrote it with my eight-year-old niece because she has a great perspective on talking to her friends about Jesus. And the third book, The Evangelism ABCs, is a picture book for smaller children. Each book is age-specific and not meant to be a way to get people into our buildings, but they're resources to help Christians do the most important thing that God has called us to do. Talk to the people in our circles of influence about the gospel. All the books are available in print or ebook format on Amazon today. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, So I wanted to give you guys an update on this series that we're doing, especially since you guys helped create it. by all of you answering, well, not all of you, some of you may not have, but most of you answered this question, what should the church talk about more often? And you filled out a bunch of cards, and I also posted the question online and got some input from people online. But today's topic didn't come up with the cards that everyone filled out. It actually um, came up in a conversation not too long ago, and that is the question, is it okay to be angry at God about the suffering we see happening in the world today? And that's a logical question because we see a lot of suffering happening in the world. Now, here's the thing, spoiler alert, I'm gonna gonna give you the answer. For those of you who like spoilers, don't like to wait till the end of the movie, my daughter is like that. When I suggest a movie or a TV show, I was like, I don't wanna spoil it for you. She's just like, tell me the whole thing, that way I don't have to watch it. Okay, so spoiler alert for those of you who want the answer to this question, Um, Is it okay to be angry at God about the suffering we see happening in the world today? Yes, it is okay to be angry with God about the suffering we see going on in the world, but it is not okay to blame God for it and be disrespectful to him about it. That we don't get to do. It is okay to be upset because we see a lot of people in the world suffering. We see a lot of things going on in the world. Um, We see, like we are praying for, a lot of people who are Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I don't watch TV as much for news, but news clips that come, I see all these in the cities, like major cities, more and more homeless people, right? And I've I've seen videos from people, friends who have gone on vacation to, oh, I've never been to this city before, and they're downtown, and rather than, you know, activities and festivals like Pickle Festberg thing that just happened, instead, there's whole encampments of just homeless people, because more and more people are homeless. And we all know of people in our circles of influence who um, have had to deal with financial struggles and people that can't feed their families, even though their jobs 
You know, they still have good jobs, their wages went up, but because of the cost of everything going up, they can't afford to feed their families. We all know of people who, despite all of the great technological advancements we have in this country, more people are getting sick and dying than ever before, right? And we see all of this kind of stuff happening. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Job, and we're not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to give you some kind of insight into what we're going to go through in the book of Job this morning. Um, we're really just going to look to answer this question, and since we already answered it, we're just really going to look at, here's the biblical basis for why, yes, it is okay to be angry at God about the suffering we see, but why it's not okay to blame God for the suffering, right? Or to, to cross that line and be disrespectful to God. And if you're still looking, if you go to like the uh, middle of your Bible, you either come to Psalms or you come to one of the major or minor prophets. And if you start going to the left, just to the left of Psalms is the book of Job. Or do what I do, go to the table of consonants, look up the page number, go right there. That's the quickest way. But uh, we're not going to walk through the entire book of Job. There's 42 chapters. We're not going to do that this morning. And normally when we walk through a book of the Bible, I give you background, I give you a lot of insight, why it's relevant to us today, some of the theological concepts, because there's so much theology, like supernatural, God-happening stuff in the book of Job, but we're not really going to have time. We're just going to do an overarching overview to see the basis for that question, is it okay uh, to kind of vent and get angry with God about the suffering we see in the world? So in Job chapter 1, is what we read, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, when it says blameless and upright, that wasn't his own perspective of himself. That's God's perspective of him. In other words, God looked at Job and said, okay, because of the way you live your life and the way that you worship, it says fear, but it's more of a reverential worship for me, God says, you're in right standing with me, Right? Uh, verse 2, it said he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And I think uh, however long ago when we went through part of the book of Job, um, I said Job was pretty rich. He wasn't like Elon Musk rich, right? He didn't have that much money. He was more like our congressman's rich, right? Our congressmen used to be working class people, went into government, started making six figures, and somehow overnight they became millionaires. That's how rich he was, millionaire. Not multi, multi, multi-millionaire billionaire, but millionaire rich. Had a large company that he owned, uh, ran it, and was good to his employees, right? Um, then it says this, <clears throat> excuse me, if you drop down to verse 9, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. And this is, we don't have time to get into the theology behind it, but Satan, the accuser of people who are in right standing with God, he doesn't accuse people that are following him. He accuses people that are following God. Satan said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks... And herds are spread throughout the land, which is what God does for his people. It's the same thing you do for your children. It's the same thing you do for your family members. You take care of them. You're responsible for them. When they have a need, you show up. You have their back. 
But in verse 11, Satan says this, stretch out your hand, strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, pay attention to this. This is important. One day, this all happened in one day, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and he said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So what Job just got told is, hey, this aspect of your business, this business you had, it's gone. It's done. And all of your employees are no longer with us. And if you've ever had like a job where you got to know the people, I'm sure he knew his employees. He, he, he being a man and right standing with God, he probably treated them with love and care, just like God tells us to do to others. So he experienced financial loss and personal loss. Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, so this is moments later. Another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky, burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you more financial loss, another business gone, more employees no longer with us, more personal loss. Why he was still speaking moments later, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans, they formed three raiding parties. They swept down on your camels, carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. In the matter of the length it took us to read this, he lost friends, he lost employees, he lost co-workers, not that they went on strike like the actors and writers. They were no longer on this earth. People that he knew. And all of his businesses now gone. But it's not over. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept from, in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So now, not has the only lost friends and co-workers and people he probably invited over to his house. He's lost all of his children. He's lost all of his finances. He's experienced financial pain. He's experienced personal loss and is grieving, but it's not over. So in chapter 2, turn over to chapter 2, down at verse 6, it says, the Lord said to Satan, very well then, because that didn't work. It didn't get Job to do what Satan wanted him to do, which was to curse God or to turn away from God or to blame God. In fact, if you look in verse 20, he said he got up and tore his robe and he shaved his head. Then he fell down to the ground and worshipped God. Despite the personal loss, despite the pain, despite the anguish, he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Despite all that he was dealing with. Now this is not, because remember we talked about there's descriptions of what happened, there's prescriptions, like if we do this it will help us, and then there's instruction. This is a description of what happened. It is not an instruction that every time you deal with personal pain and loss and anguish, you have to just put on a smile, say thank you, Jesus, and go about your merry way. It is a prescription that when we deal with personal loss, financial loss, and when we're grieving, that we should still try, if we are able to, to give praise and thanks to God for what we have. 
But drop down to verse 6 of chapter 2. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. Because Satan said, hey, that's just stuff. But if you make it personal and physical to him, he'll definitely curse you to your face. But the Lord said, very well, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Try to get that picture in your head of someone covered from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head, and it's painful to them. And then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. And we we need to talk about this next couple of verses because his wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And sometimes when we're going through stuff, it impacts our family members too. And sometimes they can feel that pain. They can feel that anguish. She also lost all of her finances. She also lost all of her children. And while Job was able to say, you know, thank you, Jesus, that I'm still here, she was looking at him like, hey, this is not something we should be praising God for. This sucks. This hurts. I can't go to church on Sunday and just sit down and get up and sing songs and praise God when I just became, you know, lost all our finances, lost all my children, and you want me to go in and worship God. And here's the thing that we have to be real about. We have to be okay with that. We have to be with, okay with people just saying, hey, you know what? I just went through this, and I'm not in a good place. I just, I just lost everything, and I'm not in a good place. I'm hurting, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm not in a good place. And instead of the church saying, well, you need to show up on Sunday, make sure you tithe and smile, lift your hands and sing, we need to say, hey, how can I help? How, how can I be there for you? Because it's okay for you not to be in a good place with everything that you just went through. Which is what, which is what we see uh, next. Um, because he replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Should we accept good from God and not trouble? But in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now, again, some people may deal with a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, and they're they're not okay. Some people, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. Both are okay. But both need people in their lives to help them through it. Because in verse 11, this is what we read. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. That is a sign of mourning. That's what they did when someone died, and their expectation was, hey, you know what? We're looking at what Job is going through between his physical situation, his emotional situation, and his financial situation. Job is not long for this world. So they were already grieving for him, but here's what they did. They tore the robe, sprinkled dust on their heads, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And here's the reality. When we see people going 
through suffering, yeah, we should do what we did this morning. We should pray for them. I know people criticize us, and they're like, your prayers aren't going to do anything. Our prayers do more than they can imagine. We should definitely pray for them. But then the other thing we have to do is we need to show up for them. We need to be there for them. Sometimes it's great when you put on your Facebook, oh, I'm praying for you, I, I, I hope things work out, I'm praying for you, or whatever. But if they're the, your next-door neighbor, or if they're the people that your children go to school with, or if they're the people that you work with, instead of just posting about it and saying, I'm praying for you, you can actually show up and say, how can I help? How can I be here for you? What do you need that will help you through this? And sometimes, and, and I'm going to say this, and you guys can you know, judge me later, not here, but on your way home, you can judge me, but sometimes we just need to just shut up. Not post about it, not say a word about it, just shut up. Job's friends, imagine this, imagine you just went through, you lose your job, you lose your home, you lose your family, you lose all your resources, and they showed up for him and sat with him for seven days and seven nights, didn't say a word. They didn't say, here's how you can fix it. They didn't say, well, this probably never would have happened if you had just raised your kids better. All they did was just sit down next to him and be with him. And there's actually a Jewish uh, custom that I believe, and I could be wrong, comes from that. It's called sitting, I have to say this correct, is it sitting Shiva, where they will sit and just rock and be silent and just be there with someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one. Because sometimes that's all people need, is just for people to show up. Sometimes that just warms our heart. Just when we see people walk through the door and, and, and they show up and we're just like so glad that they're there because we know, we know when they show up, we don't have to go through it alone. But we also know sometimes when they open their mouth, they don't say the smartest things. They don't. They don't. Job's friends nailed it. They were doing like rock stars. Right? But then they decided, well, let me tell you how you could have prevented this, or let me tell you how this happened. They went from this great position, right, of uh, they sat down with him on the ground for seven days, seven nights, none spoke a word with him, for they saw that his grief and his pain were great. He was suffering. He was struggling. He was emotionally, mentally, and physically drained. He was scraping himself the sores on his head that some versions say pus ran out of when he did that, and he was hurting. And they went from, hey, we're here for you, to saying things like this. Think earnestly, I beg of you, who being innocent ever perished, or where were those upright and right standing with God cut off? Now, I know that sounds, this is just a fragment of some of the things they were saying. Basically, they were saying, hey, Job, think about it. If your kids were really innocent, would God have let them die? They were probably up to some no good stuff. Or, or where were those upright and the right standing with God cut off? This is, this is akin to, hey, your kids were sinners, so God gave them what they deserved. 
is that something that you would say to someone who you just acknowledge their pain and their grief, and you endured, you sat seven days just to be there with them, but then you open your mouth and you start criticizing them and judging them. Their pain hasn't gone away. They haven't fully healed. But this is, this is the message that Job's friends were giving to him. They were like, hey, um, as I myself have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble and mischief reap the same. In other words, it's your fault. You probably lived a sinful life and you got just what God wanted you to have. They were like, hey, you know what, Job? Um, it's your fault that now you're struggling financially. You're probably, you know, cheating on your taxes. You probably weren't paying your employees enough. You probably weren't uh, 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 doing all the right things that you were supposed to do. You were probably dipping in the till or whatever that phrase is. So it's your fault that you lost everything. It's your fault that you lost a loved one because you probably didn't pray for him enough or you didn't raise your kids. If you had raised your kids to know the Lord, then God wouldn't have had to take them. How is that something that one human being would say to another when they're suffering and how would you say, hey, you know what? The reason that you have this cancer, the reason that you're on dialysis, the reason that you have this blood clot, the reason that you lost this leg is because you're just not praying enough or because there's some sin in your life and so God's trying to get you right. What in the ham sandwich would make someone think that that's the appropriate thing to say? Now, here, I, I gotta be honest. Some stuff is our fault. Right? If I get drunk and I go out driving and I get in a car accident and I lose you know, whoever's in the car with me because of it, that's my fault. While I'm grieving their loss, not the time to bring that up. Right? And some things are my fault. If I'm consistently late for work and I'm yelling at my boss and I'm posting mean things about him all over the internet and he sees it and fires me, which I don't do because my boss is God, but if he sees it and fires me, then yeah, I deserve that. Probably the best time to do that is say, I know you don't have a job, how can we help you? And maybe wait until when they get another job to say, hey, you just got this job, maybe you should tone down the things that you say about your boss. There's a time and a place to bring up all that stuff, but do not ever say things like this to people while they're struggling. Do not ever tell them, hey, my experience shows, in my opinion, that's what they're saying, in my opinion, those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. In my opinion, it's your fault that you're in this situation. It's your fault that you're sick. It's your fault that you're homeless. It's your fault that you're out of job. And, and I've shared this before. When I, when I lost my job, went from making six figures down to making 300 every other week on unemployment, no one told me it was my fault. People did show up for me, but I had some friends that were like, oh, don't worry about it, Floyd. You'll get a job some other time. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to punch them in the face because that's not going to, hearing, hey, somewhere down the line you're going to get a job is not going to turn into currency that I can use to feed my family. So this is where we have to have discernment. And sometimes, yeah, the best thing that we can do is shut up, which brings us to this question, right? Is it okay to be angry at God about the suffering we see happening in the world today? Because even though all of Job's friends 
after they were there for him, after they showed up for him, after they supported him, they each had a reason on why it was his fault. Job just unleashed, and he just vented. So here's what Job said. Uh, in Job 7.11, Job said, Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And here's the thing. It is okay to vet. It is not healthy to hold in all that pain, all that. It's one thing if you're dealing with one of those things. But we get a picture of someone who's dealing with all of those things. And it's not healthy to hold all of those things in um, to, 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 they, then they go from, you know, not just now am I dealing with financial loss and, and, and grieving the loss of loved ones, and I'm dealing with my sickness. Now I go into mental illness areas because now I'm dealing with depression and all of these things because I'm holding it all in. So Job says, hey, I'm not going to hold it in. I'm going to complain in the bitterness of my soul. Then he says to God, so he told his friends, I'm not going to hold this in. Then he says to God, will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? If I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who sees everything we do, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? And I know that's not language that we use, but this is literally someone saying, hey, what did I do wrong, God, to deserve this? And you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure many of us have asked that before, depending upon a situation. He also says, have I become a burden to you? That's a way of saying, you know what? Do you even love me anymore, God? Because how could you love me if you're allowing me to go through all this pain, all this anguish, and all of these financial struggles? Uh, then he says this, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. And I say to God, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charges you have against me. This is kind of bold. This is literally saying, okay, God, show me what I did wrong. This is really demanding, God, you need to explain to me why that you're letting me go through all this. And here's the thing. It is okay to do, nothing wrong with doing that. There's a difference between why are you allowing this to happen in my life, God, and blaming God for it and, and being disrespectful to God. But here's the thing that we see, and this goes on for like another 20 some odd chapters, back and forth. The whole conversations between Job and his friends, probably theologians estimate if you read through it, a couple of hours of sitting there back and forth with Job just begging, God, I need answers. And here's the thing, though. Job gets answers. We may not. And sometimes we have to be okay with that. But Job doesn't get the answer that he expects because then God shows up. The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Now, I know that's kind of language that we're not used to, but this is God looking down at Job and saying, who are you? Like, who are you to question me? And granted, he's speaking to him out of a storm, but he says this. He says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Now, God goes on, and he doesn't just say, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? He goes on, 
And he says, hey, where were you when I, 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 I created the clouds? Where were you when I created the stars? Where were you when I, this, and this is key, because I know, a little disrespect to those who do believe in evolution, but evolution tells us that, you know, the plants and the trees just evolved and that animals and uh, human life just evolved. But yet God in this book says, hey, I created those things so that one interacts with the other. I created the plants so that there would be food for the animals. I created certain animals that will eat certain things, and I created certain things on the earth to provide other things for other animals. I created mating seasons for these animals that differ from the... God goes on and explains all of this. And he's like, so who are you to question me about all this stuff? But here's, here's more of what God says, right? He says this. Lord said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. He's basically saying, hey, you're, 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 you're questioning me, so answer me. Who are you? Because you don't have, uh, even scientists don't understand how some of these work. And then he goes on and he says this, Job answered the Lord after all of that. Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Job's answer to God laying out all that it takes as God to be God, to create life, to run life, to interact, to have the stars, the moon, everything interact. And Job says this. This is, this is Floyd speak for what you just read. Job says, you know what? I'm going to shut up and sit down now. Because I don't know. Because I'm not God because I can't do what you do, and I really had no place to question you since you and you alone are God. Now, here, here's, here's what we got to understand. God shows up. He explains all this to Job, but he never says why everything that you went through happened. God shows up, and his response to Job is, I'm God, and you're not. That's the only answer he gives him. I'm God, and you are not. And sometimes we have to respect the fact that God is God. Not a single one of us has created a universe. Not a single one of us knows the hearts of every man and woman that has ever lived. Not a single one of us loves every single person on the planet, even those that hate us with a passion and refuse to believe in us. Some of us, we're just content getting along with the people in the room. But God loves every single person, and none of us, none of us really deserves the right to question God. So then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I speak of things I do not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job is acknowledging, hey, and, and, and I have to comment on this, because God did ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? And some people will say, well, that is really harsh of God to allow that level of suffering and to say, for God to say that's a part of his plan. And there are things that God allows to happen. He did not cause it to happen, but he allows to happen. And everything that he allows to happen is for a reason. And when we try to question it, then we have to go back to, but we're not God. I have no idea why God allowed this, because we are not God. Right? 
So Job says, you said, listen, now I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What Job says, and now he didn't physically see God. The storm, a storm showed up and God spoke to him out of that storm. So when he says, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, he didn't physically see him. What he's saying is, now I have an understanding of you that I never had before, and I see you, God, in a whole new light. And I can't say that this is always why God allows suffering, but sometimes it is so that we can draw closer to him. And I know I keep talking about this, I'm not using me as an example, but when I lost my job and and had no idea, and there's no way this math adds up, and God sustained, sustained me through it, since that time, Not one single time has I ever questioned God's ability to provide for me. And even when it's times when I was like, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to make this happen. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. But you alone are God, and I know that you will make a way. And there's not one single time since then that he has ever failed or let me down. And the only reason I have that level of faith in him and trust in him, no matter what my financial situation is, is because I went through a harsh financial situation and he brought me through it. And again, I cannot say that that is always why God allows us to go through these types of things, but sometimes it is to draw us closer to him. But here's, again, back to that question. We can vent to God. We can be angry with God. I get angry and sometimes with God because I see the level of violence that goes on in our city. I get angry with God because sometimes I see the political division in our, in our nation and the way that the churches are crumbling. I got, I'll share this with you. Sometimes I get angry, not with God, but angry. And I, I, I was having a, a Q&A uh, a live Q&A online, and someone brought up the question of all the, the stuff that's being done to children and the suffering and pain that they're going to, and I got really upset and angry and vented to the people on the screen, not at God, but to us, because we allow that to happen. Some of the stuff we allow to happen, we don't step in, and I'm, sorry, I've got to take a moment, cool down. But if we see stuff happening in our schools and our communities that we don't like, fire every single person in charge of those schools and those communities. Get rid of them. If we see stuff we do like, continue to vote for those people. We have control over that. But we don't get to blame God for the stuff that we cause or other people cause or we allow it to happen, and God has given us the full capability to stop. So, this last thing. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. This is one of the most powerful verses in the book, because what God says is, hey, Job vented, Job was angry, Job challenged me, but he said nothing false about me. I don't find fault with anything Job did. 
but you and your friends, you said false things about me, you lied about me, you blamed me, you were disrespectful to me. And then he said that Job had to go and pray for his friends so that they could be forgiven for their sin of blaming God and being disrespectful to God. And again, we're not going to be able to do this, but this whole time, everything that Job went through, he tore his robes, he sh shaved his head. He, it's a sign of, of warning and distress and, and frustration, but he fell to the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I come from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord give, the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. You can vent, you can get upset, you can yell, you can scream, you can have a temper tantrum, and I'm gonna be 100% honest, you can laugh at me on the way home in the car. I sat in my kitchen, and I literally on the floor, banging my hands, crying and screaming, throwing a fit at God. Why are you making me go through this? You can do all of that, but we don't get to blame God, we don't get to to, to, to be disrespectful to God for things that God did not cause, but he allowed to happen. We should vent. We should be angry. We should be upset. But here's the other thing that we absolutely 100% have to do. When we get on the other side of that issue, we need to make sure everyone on the planet knows that it's God that brought me through it. We need to make sure we tell people, yeah, I was hurting, I was dealing with financial loss, but God sustained me. We need to tell people, yeah, I was sick, I was struggling, doctors couldn't explain it, but God brought me through it. We need to tell people, yes, I was hurting, I couldn't get out of my bed for days at the loss of my loved one who I cared about, but God brought me through it. Because the only way that they're going to know that God brought you through it and can bring them through it is if you go and tell them. And we were going to, uh, I was going to have the band come up and sing, but I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're just going to close with a time of prayer. And God, as we started this this morning, we acknowledge that there are people in our circles of influence and in our families and in our homes and in our schools and in our job places, people in our communities who are dealing with all of these types of struggles. Some are dealing with some of the stuff that Job dealt with. Some are dealing with all of the things. They're dealing with financial loss. They're grieving the loss of loved ones. They're dealing with physical ailments. They're dealing with hurt. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with the, the past issues of people who hurt them physically or mentally or were um, uh, disrespectful to them. They're dealing with the current issues and trying to find jobs and put food on the table. And we know so many people are hurting. And the only way that they are going to know that there is a God who can help them through it is if we go tell them what you did for us. So I pray that you create those opportunities, Lord. That you create the space for us to share what you have done in our, our life with those people who are in our life. And I pray that we first and foremost give you thanks and praise for bringing us through it, but I also pray for all those people who are hurting and struggling and going through trials and difficulties right now, that we would lift them up, that we would pray for them continually and regularly, that we would show up for them to offer how we can help them, but that we would also, when the time is right, 
let them know what you have done in our lives. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.